Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. You've got to press in and receive of that anointing. I want to preach to you today a message entitled Lifestyle. Every time I say that word, there's a song. And there's a thing about country music. They just capture things that are in life and they comment on it. And every time I see that word, I think of, there was a, a Robin Leach headed up a lifestyles of the rich and famous. And everybody would go and with Robin Leach and see these palatial estates and these jets and these big yachts and everything else and talk about the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And some enterprising, thoughtful lyric writer in, in uh, Nashville got an idea. And he sang it, and they wrote a song, and somebody, several maybe recorded, but one specifically I remember was Lifestyles of the Not-So-Rich-And-Famous. I remember that. I go hog wild over beans and barbecue. We got holes in all our socks, and our one car's up on blocks. Lifestyles of the Not-So-Rich-And-Famous. If you'd never heard that song before, you have now, and you can't undo it. And I pray that just be a bug in your ear and just stay with you all day. And if it doesn't, just go to the devotion page of our website and fill it up with something else. But I want to preach to you today about lifestyle. Everybody say lifestyle. We are living in a time just filled with all kinds of lifestyles. Have you noticed that? Lifestyles, And nobody wants to be challenged on their lifestyle. One's just as good as another. And don't you dare say anything about my lifestyle. Lifestyle is the interests, opinions, behaviors, and behavioral orientations of an individual group or culture. It's what they do as a matter of habit or practice. Now, if you think about that, lifestyles at one point are new. Some enterprising or brave soul or foolish being goes and does something. Then what happens? Other people follow suit and then it becomes a fashion, becomes even a lifestyle. Somebody decided to put all black makeup on and black fingernail polish one day and goth was born because a whole movement of people chimed in. People decided to take their hair and make it go straight up and dye it neon green. And it wasn't just one person after a while. It was an entire lifestyle of punk rock and the punk rock culture and people with with all the accoutrements, how they dressed, everything they did, they just conformed with it. Have you noticed that somebody adopts a lifestyle over a process of time and it's not long until other people join them in that lifestyle. So I want to jump into the Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. And the Apostle Paul was helping the Galatian church help understand something. And if we'll listen over their shoulder, if we'll eavesdrop on the conversation this morning, we get to hear what the Apostle Paul had to say about lifestyle. How many of you know there is a Christian lifestyle? There is a lifestyle of following Jesus. Now, I'm not pointing to a certain shirt style, a certain pant style, but I'm talking about a lifestyle 
and that is to emulate, follow, copy, and be as much like Jesus as possible. Now, if Jesus were here today incarnated, born of a virgin, and doing his ministry, we would be able to identify with him. He would speak our language. He would dress very much like us to a certain extent. He would not be strange in standing out in our culture. He would just seem to fit in. However, his life and the way he comports himself, how he lived would be markedly different. We would say this, he marches to the beat of a different drummer. He seems to hear a voice that commands him, directs him, and he does things that the rest of us don't do. He lives by an ethic. He lives by standards. And he would begin to reveal that to us, that the things I do, I do because I love the Father. And so relationship lived out becomes a lifestyle. When people get married, they build a lifestyle. They have for a family their lifestyle. It's the way that we do life. And the Apostle Paul has something to say about that, and it's especially powerful today. And it can maybe even make us uncomfortable. Is that okay? If, is it okay if the Holy Spirit makes us uncomfortable? I've never came to a transition in my life or a transformation that didn't be, wasn't preceded by being uncomfortable. I became uncomfortable with the way I was living, and I began to ask the question, is there something else? Is there something more? Is another way that we can go? And I've got great news for you. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And so we can live like Jesus. We can live in Jesus. We can live with Jesus. And listen what the Apostle Paul says, starting in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. That walk, we could put in here for the sake of the message today. So I say, establish your lifestyle by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Here's the big question as we begin this morning. Who will you walk with? And from what or who will you seek approval? People get pulled into lifestyles, emulate lifestyles, and reflect lifestyles precisely because birds of a feather flock together. And there are often times people say, I want to run with them or him. I want the approval of that person or that group. And so I will modify my behaviors, my likes, and what I do in order to fit in. Isn't that true? Every parent in this room has watched their children deal with lifestyles around them. Now, there was a day when it was simply what style of jeans they were going to wear. And we were fretting over that. My, my son Cameron, my oldest son Cameron, went through a stage where he wore Jenko jeans. And he warmed down a little bit. Okay, why? Because there was a whole group of boys in the middle school, in the Castleberry Independent School District, that all were getting Jenko jeans and wearing them down a little bit. All of us, past, all of us parents were having meetings with each other. Oh, Look what they're doing. They've gotten together and they all want to dress like that. And then he started changing his behavior of speaking. He suddenly developed an accent he had not picked up with us. 
He picked up an accent that wasn't from New Mexico, wasn't from Texas. It was a whole different way of speaking. And I'm going, he was raised up in my house. Where did that come from? It's okay. They, they use different vocabulary, and I like to mess with the more recent generations because in my day, things were groovy and cool, and later they were totally rad. Now they're just lit. So I just, and that'll change. But I love to get with my 20 and 30 kids and say, now that's lit. And they'll just look at me, oh, Dad, Dad, give it up. We have a lifestyle. And we've been trying to leave your lifestyle. We don't want you in our lifestyle. And so that's just my way of saying, hey, let me in. Let me let me wear the skinny jeans. Right? That's what's on the shelf. And and then and then use their language and vocabulary. I'm talking about the G rated stuff. And they're like, Oh, oh, we have to change now. We have to come up with new vocabulary because my dad has caught on. He's figured it all out. Who will you walk with and from who or uh, from what or who will you seek approval? Every teacher in the room knows what it's like to watch a classroom and say, keeping my eye on that boy and that girl right there and that guy right there and that one. And I'm watching out for these eight over here because they tend to gravitate to whoever's the leader, their followers. And that guy, when he leads, is going to lead to the principal's office eventually. And we've got to do something to insulate these kids because what do they know about kids? Kids look around, get the lay of the land, and say, I think I'll modify. I think I'll fit in. I think I will change my lifestyle. What happens at Christmas? The list comes to you. Mom, Dad, this is what I want. Look at, what does it tell you? These are my lifestyle choices. I'm making some changes to my lifestyle. And as parents, we clutch our chest and we say, watch out, Elizabeth. This is the big one. I just dated myself for everybody that used to watch Sanford and Son, everybody else on YouTube land and everybody else. What? Google, here I come, Elizabeth. It's a big one. It'll tell you all about it. Who will you walk with and from who, from what or who will you seek approval? And here, the Apostle Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It'll just keep you safe. You know, let me just guarantee you something from the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never inspire you or lead you away from God, away from emulating Christ, and away from the things of God. He will always lead you deeper. He'll always take you sweeter, and He'll always touch you more than He's ever touched you before. That's what you can guarantee in the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the first proposition here is we have to be sure that we're walking right. And our walk is determined by some people and some things that we tend to want to emulate. You know, there's people who are doing things like, this is the lifestyle choice they're making. I took my teeth, had extensive dental, this is what they're saying, not me. Had extensive dental work, filed down some teeth, had some metal implants put in my body, colored my skin green, and now look at me. I look just like a chameleon. If they could, they would get away to get to run both eyes different on the side of their head. They'd have surgery done to move that to the side of their head. Why? Because they've allowed something to become the influence in their life that they're going to alter their lifestyle to be just like that. We shouldn't be surprised. The book of Romans says they will give themselves over to the worship of things, people and things, and it will get worse. We're not surprised, are we? 
That's why we're panicked sometimes as parents, and rightfully so, because we know that those choices of who they seek approval from. Galatians 5, reading on, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Hello? These are in conflict. The spirit and the flesh are in conflict. Now, what's the flesh? Basically, the stuff that your base nature really likes to do. It's the stuff that the law has to say, now don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It's the stuff that parents have to say, here's the rules and you can't go beyond them. Why? Because I love you. It doesn't feel like you love me. But we're trying to keep you out of traffic. We're trying to keep you from being run over. We're trying to keep you from drowning. We're trying to keep you from being burned. We're trying to keep you from a, a poisoning by drugs. We're trying to keep you from death by all kinds of unmentionable things or short of that injury, right? And what we do as parents is we're working with people because we know that there is a conflict. If you've raised a teenager, what is there? Conflict. But you aren't done raising teenagers there's one living in you. Hello? There is in me. There's a 12-year-old boy in me that says, that looks like fun. Let's try that. This is the kid that used to run off the garage with an umbrella. I had seen it in the cartoons, right? I'm going to bring a lawsuit because I saw it in the cartoons. And he always gently floated to the ground. Mary Poppins could go up with an umbrella. Mr. Magoo, he could he could use his umbrella to hook onto things and to float to the ground. I mean, it was awesome. So I thought uh, I'd take my GI Joe and and a nap and a and a cloth hanky, and I'd throw him off the garage and he'd float to the ground every time. Never complained. Never heard a complaint out of GI Joe. So I said, it's time for me to become a paratrooper. So. I found an umbrella, jumped off the garage, turned that baby inside out and hit the ground with all the force I ever did jumping off the garage without an umbrella. Thank God. How many of you know that at that time, the Holy Spirit can intervene and speak to you? Huh? After my ankles got done stinging, I had a thought cross my mind. I need a bigger umbrella and I need a taller barn. And immediately a plan began forming. I'll go up the road to that big old barn with the, with the nice doors that open in the top and the counterweights they use to pull things up. And I'll get up on that barn roof with a big umbrella and I'll finally float to the ground. I'll show them. I'll tell you what, I didn't share that with anybody, but I think the Holy Spirit talked me out of that one. I wouldn't be here today or I would be with some severe injury. I wasn't going to likely survive something that all in one piece. I was going to gain some screws and some metal and some casts and all kinds of things if I wasn't paralyzed. What's the great idea? I'll just jump off this roof with an umbrella, but it just needs to be higher, and the umbrella needs to be bigger. There's a contrariness going on within you and within me. Every one of us in this room are in conflict. It's hard enough to be at peace with everybody else but we're looking for peace within ourselves because there is the old us, the fallen self, the descendant of Adam, 
that is looking at us every day in the mirror and looking around through our eyes and saying, that looks like a good idea. Let's try this. Nobody will ever know. Hey, I'll do this, and it won't affect anybody but myself. That'll be okay. And here's what the apostle says. You are not to do whatever you want. Now, how many of your great ambition in life when you were living at home? When I get older, I'm going to do whatever I want. And then we start adulting, and we realize something. Our parents did know what they were talking about. And if we just did whatever we want, our story would be told as the homeless man. Our story would be told about that person strung out on drugs for 25 years and burning their neural endings and not able to experience pleasure or pain, walking about in a fog, permanently damaged. That would be our story. But we had to stand up to a conflict and say, no, this would be better than that. That's not right. The preacher said, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, my best friend came along just in the nick of time and suggested that I not do whatever I want. Conflict is, is inevitable in this life. Hello? Isn't that a happy tune? Some of you are saying, boy, I'm glad I came to church today. Pastor told me there's going to be nothing but conflict in life. There is, but it starts with yourself. You have to resolve it within yourself. You have to have peace within yourself first. And how do we do that? He says conflict, it, the, what we're seeing here is conflict is inevitable in this life. Choose your battles. Question your own will and motivation. And how do we do that? By the word of God. What did, what did David say? Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why do we hide the word in our heart? Because it is contrary to our fallen will. It has been given to us by God. It's an expression of God's best for us. Some people just say it as God is a great cosmic killjoy, doesn't want me to do whatever I want. No, God knows how you're built and how the world works, and he doesn't want you to be ground into powder. He doesn't want you to be wasted. He doesn't want your talents to be deferred. He doesn't want your hope to be deferred. And so we need to question our own will and our motivation. He goes on to say, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Doesn't that sound like the solution? Isn't that great? If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does the law say? The law says, how does it start? Thou shalt not. The law sounds like this. Now, Doug, I know that what you want to do is this, but don't do it. Let's be fair about it. The law is what you shouldn't do. We live in a society that says the light is red. Don't go. Hey, that sign says 80 miles an hour on the freeway. What's implied? Don't exceed that. Don't go faster than that. Don't go faster than that on this on-ramp. Don't go faster than that on this off-ramp. Watch that signal. That says yield. That says stop. And there are certain things that are basically saying, you can't always get what you want. You have to yield. You have to stop. You have to slow down. There are other people living life, and there are laws. Now, really, what is a law for? You know, there are some people in this room that wouldn't require very many laws. They're just so polite and patient. 
they'd pull up to an intersection and look. Well, is there any somebody else that's maybe in more of a hurry than I am today? Well, the way seems clear. I think I'll go now. It's kind of like the little squirrels. After you. No, I insist. After you. The law's there to hold, to rein us in. It's a governor. It pulls us back from us saying, I'm going to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, and nobody's going to stand in my way. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the lawless person hears the word, not under the law, and what do they say? Woohoo! I'm free! Now I can do whatever it is that I want to do. And they go off on their merry way. They go off on their reckless way. They go off on their way that is self-centered. But you are led by the Spirit, so you're not under the law. Why? Because you're under something better. Not something that says, don't, 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 don't. But someone who says, you want to get closer? You want to go higher? Do you want to get closer to the Lord? Do you want to know his heart? Do you want to live more in conformity with him? Do you want to have the life that Jesus had? Do you want to live in such a way that pleases the Father? Do you want to maximize your gifts and your talents and your abilities? Do you want to go to the highest level you possibly can go to as a human being in so doing? Please the creator of the universe. And everybody in this room says, count me in. That's me. That's what I want. I want a cheerleader. I want, a, I want that group in Hebrews that stands around and cheers me onto the finish line and says, go, go for it. Hey, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. But I've got the other side of that coin. There is a way that God has laid out. And if we'll walk with him and not say, whatever I want to do, I'm going to do it, but begin to say, not my will, but thy will be done. You know that Jesus was the most fulfilled free man ever walked the face of the earth? Because he knew this every day. He knew. My Father and I are one. I please the Father. What I say and what I do and where I go doesn't feel like a straitjacket, but it feels like a skip and a dance. It feels like the incredible lightness of being. It feels like the way of the righteous shines more and more into that perfect day. Things are getting better and clearer, and I get to walk with the creator of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth. He knows my name. He calls me by name, and he and I confer. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The law doesn't offer freedom. It only defines consequences. Have you ever noticed that? What happens when you break the law? You face consequences. Now, because you've done this, it's going to be a fine of $500, and your insurance is going to go up. Because you've done this, you're going to lose your license. Because you've done this, you're going to lose that privilege of driving. Because you've done this, we have a place over here where you will be guaranteed three hots and a cot. Someone will get you up every morning. If you have a problem getting up, someone will be there to get you up, baby. Darling. And now make sure you make it to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you can live this incarcerated life because it's part of the consequences. Those, pre, those people in there have done everything they've wanted to do. I've never met somebody in a prison or a jail that was there 
that didn't realize they got caught expressing their lifestyle. They got caught living free, freer than anybody else. They were lawless. They believed they were above the law, beside the law. The law really wasn't talking to them. And all you can get when you live that way is consequences. Do you know that gravity is a law, not a suggestion? What happens when the plane loses power? It begins down because gravity is now the law more than lift is. When we do things that are away from the heart of God, they violate the physical properties and the supernatural properties of his universe. We're only left with consequences. But I've got great news for you. Jesus came and took the consequences. Jesus came and suffered the innocent one who should have only been exalted to the right hand of the Father immediately from the earth, he said, no, if I go through the cross and the tomb and the resurrection, that means that everybody else who is given to living to themselves and living under the law have an opportunity to place their faith in the righteousness of God made available in my life, and by placing their faith in me, their lifestyle can be changed from selfish to selfless from the consequences of the law to the benefits and the inheritance of righteousness. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Now, he is worthy of praise for that. It only defines consequences. Now, see if you can't detect some lifestyles here in this list. As we read from a list, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Now, I'm going to suggest that there are four groups, and a way to think of that is the earth has four basic compass points, north, south, east, and west. People come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And people have different lifestyles depending on where they come from. Have you noticed that? The melting pot of the United States. Down here in the south, how many of you know when you run into somebody from the north? What's their lifestyle? Uptight. Not very friendly. Then I just define their lifestyle for them, and they speak strange, right? Can't hardly understand them. What happens when a southerner goes to the north? We had to be warned. We were in New York City at a big crusade when I was a young man, and I had come, been around some Texans and had come from the country, and where we were, we never met a stranger. So it was common to walk into a store, see somebody, and go, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, I like that hat. We went into the Bronx, New York City. And the first thing the guy who went with us said, now some of you are not from around here, and it shows. Here's what we're going to do. Please don't deviate from this rule. We're going to go into some stores Don't make eye contact with anyone. Why? Because if you make eye contact and treat them nicely, they think you're a con man or you're trying to set them up for thievery. And they will respond in like. How many of you know that's a lifestyle? North, south, east, west. And this defines the earth. This is how we mark out the earth. North, the south, the east, the west. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And we're going to talk about the north, the south, and the east, and the west in this sense. There are four groups here 
of these people, and these are their lifestyles. See if this doesn't sound like 2022. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Have you seen the headlines lately? Drag queen story hour at the library? What's that? I think debauchery. Where people say, this is my lifestyle, and you have people pushing on every form of law dealing with sexuality and trying to make it okay. And here's how they okay it. It's just my lifestyle choice. Pedophilia. Setting up children on the Internet. Trafficking in children. A billion, multiple billion dollar business all over the globe. If you read the book of Revelation, it says one of the big sins of Mystery Babylon is child trafficking. The acts of the flesh are obvious, aren't they? Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. They're not just a lifestyle choice. They're a choice against the way of the living God. Okay, now some of you are ready to shout and say amen right there. You know some of those people in those situations. Some of those things touch your life, but they have a li- they're living a lifestyle. How many of you know they need a lifestyle change? Okay, and go ahead and say a hearty amen. But get ready, it's going to come your way in just a minute. We're going to move to your neighborhood in just a little bit. Here's the next category. Idolatry and witchcraft. This is another group of people. They express their lifestyle choices in the way they live religiously and philosophically. They have an ideology about what it's all about, and they live consistent to that. How many of you know that atheism is a lifestyle? Religious Christianity is a lifestyle. And different religions around the world, depending on where you live, it becomes your lifestyle. If you live in Saudi Arabia, guess what religion becomes your lifestyle? Islam. If you're in Tibet, it's going to be Buddhism. If you're in America, what's going to tend to be your religious lifestyle? Anything you want. A lot of people who choose a Christian lifestyle, a Christian-based lifestyle, but they don't have faith in God. They see the benefits of the lifestyle, but they have not come into a personal relationship with the Lord. Idolatry and witchcraft. Have you seen that the largest section of the bookstore that's growing? Witchcraft. New Age religions. How about this third category? Boy, this does sound like plain vanilla folk. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Some of that could even be in a church somewhere. Now, we were all ready to amen the idolater and the witchcraft. We were ready to go after the people of the sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. But the largest category with the most descriptions are these folks. I wonder if there's a mistake there. I think the Apostle Paul knows that's a broader category. And if you don't fall in the other areas, this is your neighborhood. And then finally, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Just total wildness. How many of you know some wild things? Some people who just live completely on the edge, and you wonder if they're going to live another day because of their wildness and the way that they're just totally given over to that. What we have is sexual self-indulgence, religious self-indulgence, relational self-indulgence, 
and escaping or checking out. That's how that's the lifestyles that people choose. I think probably the most prevalent lifestyle are just the people who like human drama. Have you seen that? It's just everywhere. It's at school, it's at the job, it's in the church, it's everywhere. There are certain people that just express their own will in the sense of drama. Now, by the way, some people like pick two categories and represent both. How many of you know that you can live in the north and wear a cowboy hat and boots? You can have a lifestyle of one group amongst the lifestyle of another. The apostle just sketches that out. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in any of those categories. Amen? The whole goal, the whole ambition we have is for our lifestyle in Christ to not reflect those. We want to avoid that. And listen to what he says. It's a good thing we want to do that. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, wait a minute. Those sexually immoral people or those wild things, I can see very obviously that they can't inherit the kingdom. But people given to fits of rage or people who like to gossip, backbite, slander, people who like personal human drama, what does the apostle say? Those who live like this, those who have this lifestyle, those who have chosen to model their behavior according to the traditions of their family, according to the traditions of their friends, to people they've looked up to and admired, and they have developed this lifestyle, he said that those who live like this, lifestyles like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That makes me want to say, "Uh uh-oh. There are four basic directions and four basic expressions of the fall. And all four work to disqualify from inheritance as they destroy intimacy and relationship. But I've got some good news for you. How many are ready for some good news as we bring this in for a landing? And that right there is good news, right? We're bringing this in for a landing. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just before Christmas, I preached a three-part message about the gifts of Christmas, the great gifts that God has given us, and they are love, joy, and peace. Wow, we find them again. Here they are, love, joy, and peace. And we have a cucaracha. Don't, don't mind the cucaracha. He's visiting this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That is in our spirit. Forbearance, kindness, and goodness. That is in our relationships with other people and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's over me and my body. So what happens if we have the Holy Spirit walking with us and moving through us and living with us and anointing us and touching our lives and we're walking out a lifestyle not of this earth but a lifestyle of the kingdom of heaven, of our Father who loves us, of the Son of God who is our elder brother has given his life for us. We walk in his righteousness, and we walk out a full life, spirit, soul, and body, with contentedness, with power, with distinction, with anointing, and we live out the fruit of the Spirit. He goes on to say, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know he's moving. 
We've got to keep in step with him. We are built spirit, soul, and body, and we are to express God's character and his very nature. Isn't that a high calling? Isn't that a wonderful calling? That we can reflect the very nature of God with all of our being, spirit, soul, and body. But here's the, here's the news. Someone must die, and it's not him. In your life, in my life, someone must die, and it must be ourselves. So here's the question. As the worship team comes, and we move into a time of worship and reflection and an opportunity to respond in our spirit to what God is speaking to us here this morning. What's my lifestyle? What's my lifestyle? How do I identify? How do people see me? What am I feeding? That's a great question to ask. What am I feeding? My spirit? Or am I feeding my carnal nature? Where am I coming from? Look at my background and who has influenced my life. Who did I look up to? What kind of environment did I come out from? That will have a lot to do with my lifestyle choices. What consequences are there to my tendencies? What group do I kind of fit in? And you might want to keep that private between you and the Lord. It's not something to brag about. Lord, I really kind of fit in this group right here. There's great news. You can go to him about that. It won't surprise him. He knows it already, and he knows the way out. He knows the way of escape by his grace. But what are my tendencies, and what area needs the most work? How many of you love that word? That's a four-letter word right there, work. Cooperating with the work of the Spirit to transform and change my life. And ultimately, where do I need to die? Because the only way to life in a lifestyle is if we die. For if we die, then we live. Paul said it this way, for me to die is Christ. Or live is Christ. To die is gain. And you know that works the whole way along the line. When we die and he lives, we win. And the church wins. And everybody wins as he changes our lifestyle. This morning, this is a great opportunity to obtain a change of lifestyle. To get in step with the Spirit and let him bring a transformation. And as you come, we'll worship. As we all stand to our feet this morning, we can just lift a declaration to him. Lord, you're worthy of a life well lived. And you give me the mercy and the grace to enable me, somebody who lives in that one of those four neighborhoods, to change their lifestyle to change the steps they take and the walk that they make. The Father in heaven, the maker of heaven and earth and all that exists far above all power, all majesty. So Lord, we lift our lives to you and that's our profession. You're worthy of a life well lived and we're inadequate to live a good life. So we just yield to you. We love you. Lord, help us to look up from our lifestyle busyness 
and the people we've been observing and watching and the people who've been setting the pace for our life and the steps of our life, Lord, that we would have a courage rise up within us that says, I don't have to live that way and I won't live that lifestyle anymore. I'm going to adopt a lifestyle of heaven, a lifestyle of the king, a lifestyle of a child of the king.